United Lutheran Seminary presents the Seminary Explores podcast, conversations on faith, art, people, politics, theology, life, and more, with voices from around the corner and around the globe. Good day. My name is Nelson Strobert, and welcome to the Seminary Explores. Today, my guest is is Jane Nutter, who is president of the Gettysburg Black History Museum, Incorporated. Welcome to the Seminary Explorers. Thank you, Nelson. It is my pleasure to be here to You're, share our story. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to get right to that. Uh, how did the idea of an African-American museum in Gettysburg develop? Well, it's a very interesting story. The genesis of the museum and the whole idea began around a table in my home at uh, when we lived in Gettysburg in the town proper, in the borough. My mother... Margaret Nutter, and my sister, Mary Alice Nutter, and I were sitting around the table. And this table that we have in our family was built in 1863. It has been in our family, and many discussions have been held around that table. Oh, my goodness, if that table could talk. (laughs) But anyway, to get back to the story, my mother was the granddaughter of Lloyd F.A. Watts, and she was always talked about the history here of black folk in Gettysburg. And she said to my middle sister, Mary Alice, this is what she called her, Mayor. She said, Mayor, there's a very, very important story here about black history. That was a vibrant black community here in Gettysburg. Somebody needs to tell the story about the black folk that lived here in Gettysburg because they helped to make this town. So from that point, Mary Alice as she oft did, she took that to heart, and she said, okay. So when she retired, she said, this will be a mission of mine because it is very important. Heretofore, the story had never been told uh, about the vibrant black community here in Gettysburg. And it's not just based on the Civil War. It's based on, you know, from when black folk came here in the early 1800s to present, to the present day. And so she worked very hard. She gathered some folks together, and they worked diligently to make sure that this museum came to fruition. Uh, Could you identify some of these people? Surely. Some of you that are listening may know these names. Uh, Jean Odom, who was the executive director of South Central Community Action Program. Oh, yes. I remember her well. And Anne Lipscomb was an integral part of it. And there was a gentleman, Ronald Bailey, at one point helped and served. Uh, Roger Smith was one of the, uh, also on the founding uh, members of the board. And those, and Richard Thrasher, who's a local lawyer, gave advice and guidance, as well as Bob Bonner, who was a local CPA, who provided financial uh, guidance and support. So those folks, it was a very small cadre of folks, very grassroots, very, very grassroots. And mind you, this was about 20 years ago. And at that time, nobody was telling the black story, the black history story of Gettysburg. No one was telling it. So Mary Alice, as I shared, our mother said how important it is to share this story for everybody because it's American history. Yeah, it's American history, yes. and I know when I was a student many decades mm-hmm. ago, I had never heard the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's very important to note that it's a grassroots organization. 
This was all born out of folks who knew that there was a, a story to share here. And I have to interject here. Uh, Mary Alice uh, led this and was very, very committed to making sure that it happened. And she became ill about three years ago. And when she was getting ill, she asked if I would continue on with the mission. And I said I would. So that is why I am here now. Okay. Well, my next that leads me to my next question. And that is, some people might say, what is the need for the museum when African Americans are represented in the visitor center? How, how do you respond to that? Well, first of all, as I shared earlier, this isn't just about the Civil War time. This is just a, a broad stroke of the history of Gettysburg, of the black folk that lived here in Gettysburg since the 1800s. Um, yes, black folk here were uh, members of the United States Colored Troops, so, and you don't often hear that, which is no, you don't. really, really baffled me uh, because this is a town that uh, talks so much about the Civil War. You know, that's, that's our claim to fame, the Civil War. Right. And the battle that was fought here. And there were many black United States colored troop folks, that, black men that enlisted from Gettysburg, and they are buried in Lincoln Cemetery. And not at the National Cemetery, okay. in Lincoln Cemetery, because the cemeteries were segregated. Uh, but anyway, getting back to what you asked, uh, the, I'm sure the Visitor Center covers uh, the Civil War years. We go beyond that. You know, it's from the 1800s to present. And we're not just about the Civil War. We're about the social justice activities that happened in town, uh, the very vibrant social community because black folk were relegated to what is now called Old Getty Place. But as I was growing up here, it was the Third Ward. Oh, okay. And yes. that was where people of color and immigrants were permitted, and you hear me when I say permitted to live, uh, because they could not live outside of the Third Ward. And uh, of course, there they had social organizations they had, um, the church was the center. There was a very, very vibrant church community. And life, general life, uh, emanated from the church activity. There was St. Paul Ami Zion. Right. There was the Baptist church. There was Asbury. Um, so there's, and I have to say this, I am very fortunate that I am not a historian. However, the stories that were passed down to me in the tradition, African yeah, tradition. the oral tradition. Yeah, the oral tradition. Every story that they've shared with me has proven to be true, which is, you know, in the black community, which is how the stories are passed on. Right. Uh, so we've uh, tried to uh, capture the essence of the black community here in Gettysburg. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, who are some of the people... Uh, highlighted in the museum. Well, there's, you know, we always hear about the Biggs family, uh, Basil Biggs. We hear about his family. We hear about Lloyd F.A. Watts. We hear about him. But there were so many others in this community. You know, there were the Craigs. There were the Mitchells. There were, uh, I mean, too many, the Carters, the Stantons. 
Now, are some of these families still in the Gettysburg area? Some of the descendants are still here, but most of them have moved on. Oh, okay. Yes. Or are no longer living. That's right. So you know, that's that happens. Mm-hmm. That definitely happens. And again, another reason for exactly. carrying on this story, this history, because as families move and spread, uh, uh, it, it it can get lost. It can get lost. Um, uh, <clears throat> when you um, think about um, Gettysburg and the African American uh, community. You, when I heard you speak uh, several months ago, you talked about this vibrant African American community. What, what made it vibrant? What was going on? Well, you know, it's I as I shared with you, I was very fortunate to be able to listen to the story shared by my mother and her siblings, and um, they would sit around when they would gather because they all lived in different areas. And they would gather together, and they would share stories about their growing up. And I would listen to those stories. And they talked about, as I shared earlier, the church was really where most of the social activity emanated okay, from. Okay, right. So they would have church socials. They would do um, uh, there. But then I also heard about they would there would be parties. Oh, okay. There was an Elks Club. Oh, there was now, yes. Now I now I rem- I remember hearing about mm-hmm. and having visited the Elks Club when I was a student mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. decades mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. There huh. was a uh, uh, Black American Legion, which really oh, just really? always always baffled me because the the black men of and women of Gettysburg right. always served their country. I mean, always joined the the military service, but. When you look at it, they had to have a separate legion. Now, thank goodness, because of times, it's it's an integrated legion here. Oh, okay. American legion. Right. Here. In fact, the past commander was an African American gentleman. So, I mean, times have evolved, and I think it's wonderful. It's no longer separate. But I often thought, you know, growing up, they uh, so many of the the black men here. Uh, from Gettysburg right. and women went on to serve, but when they came back, like from World War One, World War Two, uh, they couldn't go into a restaurant downtown. But here they were serving their country, putting their life on the line. Exactly. I, I, that that really re, uh, reiterates mm-hmm. what you were saying that um, the black, uh, this African American Museum is part of America's story. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not relegated to only African Americans, but it's part of the American story. And it's, I, I think it's very important for me to say when you talked, uh, asked about a vibrant community, it has always been, truly, you know, when Hillary Clinton said it takes a village. Yes. Well, we were a village. That, the Third Ward, uh, growing up there, it was wonderful because, um, and there were different religions. There were Jewish folks, Catholics, um, Protestant, and it was a wonderful, and there were immigrants there. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, because that's the Third Ward. That's where people <laughs> were relegated to live. And the, the wonderful thing is, um, over time, I've seen it change that uh, people of color. Right. If you know, if you you can get bank loans now, 
and you can buy homes now. So that's changed many things. But back then when we couldn't, the, the folks, because they couldn't join the other organizations, they couldn't go to the other churches, which really is amazing to me, they made their own community. Right. Now they had to work. Many folks worked as domestics in the white homes here. They worked at the Gettysburg Hotel, the black men as porters and bellmen. And that was back in the 20s and yes, okay. 30s and 40s. And um, there, there was a factory here, and they did that. Now, early on, uh, the early folks, there were black farmers here. And this is a story that really uh, kind of really piqued my interest as growing up, I would always hear my aunts and uncles talk about, they called him Grandpa Watts, that he owned land out on the battlefield. Oh, well, I okay. came to find out that, yes, indeed, there was, they, the Watts family did own land. It was beside where um, the Warfield home is. Their, their farm was beside theirs. And that kind of history should be shared with young people. My background is education, early mm -hmm. childhood education. And it's so important. I mean, growing up here in history classes, I never heard anything about the United States colored troops. And you're living here in Gettysburg and, and, and being educated right. in Gettysburg. Right. I didn't hear about it from the schools. I heard about it from other black folk in the community and my family, but never from the schools which really baffles me because this is a town where the Civil War is its claim to fame. Yep, indeed, indeed. The Battle of Gettysburg. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about the museum, uh, I, I'm looking around for our listening audience, I'm looking around because we're recording here. What are some of the artifacts that people will see when they come here? It's wonderful. We have enjoyed the support of the black community here, and we have... Lots of photos, old photos. We have family trees. We have musical instruments. We have furniture. We have um, china. We have <laughs> writings. We have lots of things, uh, medals. We have flags. We have things that folks, and stories, because I think the stories have to go on. And those stories cannot be discounted. They cannot be discounted. And in this day and age, you know, they're discounted if you don't have the history degree or if you don't have that behind you. But I'm going on the oral tradition of African-Americans, and I must say that we do research what we share here. Okay. Uh, uh, and are you, uh, you said there are documents. Are, are there diaries or oh, letters yes. Uh, yes. that uh, people might see? There is. We have... Uh, Ledgers from uh, Lloyd Watts. He was the oh. uh, a deacon at St. Paul Ami Zion. And he, of course, they didn't have computers then or typewriters. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, his handwriting was beautiful. So there are about 20 different ledgers of the meetings that they held there. And they are very interesting to read. Plus, we have letters. We have letters. We have a letter from... Uh, which was donated to the uh, Beyond the Battle uh, Museum here uh, from James Thomas when he served in France during World War II, writing back to his sister saying how lovely 
the French people treated the black soldiers. However, they were not treated so well by the white soldiers, which was very interesting. You know, what was going on in America, right. on American soil, uh, stayed on European soil with, uh, with, uh, with, with the, the white Soldiers. White soldiers. Correct, correct. So there's, we have photos, we have actual physical artifacts, we have other ephemera here. It's, it's very interesting. We wanted to tell a story. It's very grassroots. It's not tech or high, high tech or anything like that. It's just telling the story. Oh, that's you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, I uh, more questions just keep coming in my mind. But um, um, how did how did you collect these artifacts? How did, you know? How did you go? Uh, did you advertise? Uh, how did you? How did and how did people respond? Well, I'll share this with you. This this was before my uh, tenure as president, Mary Atlas. She would there's something called Back to the Berg every year that the black community holds, and she would go speak to them and talk about what the museum was going to be, and folks would, she would contact them, and they would give her stuff. So that's a high honor and a great responsibility of ours oh, to take care of these things so that the stories can continue. It's so important that all people hear the story, the right. American story, the American history story exactly. of Gettysburg. Oh, and, and so, and now are, are you still collecting materials? Oh, yes, we still have, are getting things. People, uh, now, of course, at the beginning, there was a real push. Oh, yeah, right. Um, now, folks have things, and they do donate them to us, yes. Oh, that's really good, really yes. good. Now, pra practically speaking, one, where is the, where is the, museum located mm -hmm. and what are your hours okay well this is an important thing we're located on the campus of the united lutheran seminary in what was used to be the bookstore and it's very important to share that with you because the the seminary has always been very supportive of the black community in gettysburg i mean back when the seminary started i i've seen documents where the seminary was instrumental with Gettysburg College to uh, donate a classroom for paying. Right, that's right. To hold class for, for as school. they called them then, the colored students. Uh huh. So, and over the years, when there have been social justice issues, um, the seminary has been right there with us, and they have been generous here, United Lutheran Seminary, to provide space for us to have our museum. As I shared. We're not big. It's not anything uh, slick and sleek. We're just very basic and try to share the story. Okay. And what are your uh, what are your hours? Okay. Because we are grassroots, you always have to check out our Facebook page to see when our hours are. Because we do not we're not funded by big money. Mm -hmm. We don't have access to generational wealth or anything like that. So it's a group of committed board members. There are seven of us. That are very very committed and they have made sure on weekends that they're available to have the museum open oh okay okay so it's open monday through friday no it's oh. usually a saturday oh. or usually saturdays 
and sometimes Sunday afternoons. Oh, okay, yes, okay. Yes. But check our Facebook page. It's a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Is there a telephone number that they oh, can yes. call? Oh, yes. You can check our website. You can check our webpage. Um, it has all the information on there. And I really encourage you to come, uh, those of you listening, to come and look. We've had visitors from all over the country, actually international folks, too. It's been very lovely. Um so many people say, well, I never knew that. Well, why would they? Nobody ever told the story. That's right. And I didn't share this. I mean, when Mary Alice started this 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the path was not so easy. This was something very novel and very new to Gettysburg. Right. So she really blazed the trail. I am benefiting from the fruits of her blazing. This town is benefiting from the uh, fruits of her blazing, that we have this edifice here. And the board members, as I've shared, they have been very committed to seeing that this has continued. Well, we all have benefited and will benefit uh, from the efforts of all all you Gettysburgians uh, uh, in, in the uh, in the community who have supported the begin the establishment of this museum. Uh, my guest today has been Jane Nutter, who is the president of the Gettysburg Black History Museum, Incorporated, on the campus of United Lutheran Seminary. For the Seminary Explorers, this is Nelson Strobert. Have a good day. You have been listening to The Seminary Explorers, a production of United Lutheran Seminary with campuses in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We invite you to visit our website at unitedlutheranseminary.edu. All opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of United Lutheran Seminary or the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America.